Oh, oh, sorry, the podcast started. The, no, I told you that today's stage was going to be a snoozer, uh, and it was one. Today's stage, 1 out of 10, that's fine, it happens. If every day was Christmas, there'd be no Christmas. We have to have these days. Now, if that's a spoiler, I'm, I'm tired of the comments about spoilers. It literally, when something happens, there is a race to break the news. So if you're on the internet after the stage finishes, expect someone to post something that tells you the result. And here's a spoiler. At the end of Wizard of Oz, it was all just a dream. All right, that's your warning for today. Uh, let's get into it. Now, real quick, first, uh, I'm my own sponsor again today. This is another one of my own businesses. Uh, this is Ice Legs. This is a full leg ice wrap. Uh, you stick this in your freezer, and you and then you slide it on your legs. We've also got the cooling vests. This is when you just dip this in ice water, wring it out, and then it'll stay cold for a couple hours. So you'll see the riders right now as we speak. Uh, there's riders cooling down on the stationary bikes with these ice vests on. Then we've got like smaller wraps, different sizes. For, uh, for example, Fabio Jacobson's knees, elbows, uh, whatever you just crashed on that swollen little point thing. It'll wrap on there and fits real nice. When I was racing, I was a huge fan of the ice bath after a stage. That meant me uh, doing 100 laps back and forth to the ice maker at the hotel or in Europe, like asking the bar uh, if they could give me some, fill the ice bath, do all the carrying up and down, drip water everywhere, and then sitting there. Uh, it was refreshing. I would feel noticeably better the next day. And then teammates would take uh, you know seconds and, and freaky thirds in, in my ice bath setup. At the time, I remember wishing that this product existed that could just slide up my leg and be an ice wrap. Uh, and it didn't, so when I retired, I, I invented one. We are a sponsor of the Human Powered Health Pro Team, uh, so you will see us in the big races. But I also used it here last night after a training ride. Uh, that's icelegs.com. Check it out now. Uh, we got all kinds of cool stuff. Appreciate you. Okay, some notes from yesterday. Uh, a lot of folks are saying I shouldn't have written Pogachar off. Uh, it's still a bike race. I never said that the bike race was over. I said that I think the GC was decided, and, and I still do. I think that Pogachar is... I think he's almost as good of a climber. He's better when it's snappy. So if there's a little acceleration, like he, obviously he's very good on long climbs, but when it comes to you know the last 500 meters, he's still got some snap in him that Jonas never did. But when we get into you know an hour-long climb, repeated hour-long climbs, what I'm seeing is that Jonas is the better climber, but he's not that good that he can soften Pogacar up and then drop him. I think the, the softening up uh, is going to happen from Sepp. And then Jonas is going to do the launching. I think that's what they learned. That's what I saw yesterday. And I think that's what we're going to see moving forward in the GC battle. But I will admit, uh, we know that Pogacar came into the tour a little bit undertrained. He had a, a broken wrist in the spring. Uh, so he's, we're going to see him getting a little bit better. He's coming into the, in the tour undertrained. And believe it or not, you do, the tour is obviously great training. Believe it or not, he's going to get better over the course, at least relative to Jonas, who's, who's coming in on peak form and will stay on peak form, but might, might be a little bit more flat. So I stand by my final prediction, but I still think it's going to be a fun race to watch, and there's still a lot of racing to go. Other note from yesterday, this was just a text from, from Ben, who was my co-host the other day. Uh, Ruben Guerrero, I'm not going to use the exact word that Ben used, but Ruben Guerrero, uh, kind of a dick. I don't like that guy. There was, some, there was some elbowing at the KOM. You climb with someone for an hour, and then you sprint them, and you're going to do a, an elbowing thing and a swerve. Uh, that guy, a little aggro. I don't like him. It's one thing to elbow and shoulder in a field sprint. It's another whole thing at the top of a mountain. It's just it's not necessary. It's not what they do. Okay, what happened today? A whole lot of nothing. The early break was weird. I'm not exactly sure what went on there. It looked like first there were five guys up the road, and then four of them just stopped. Uh, the break had kind of just formed, and I think there's there's a few ways that a break forms. A stage like yesterday, the break forms by a bunch of dudes just attacking, and they're horsing away from it, and there's a it's a matter of force uh, and timing. And today, I think it's more of a matter of negotiation. I think this is the, the sprint teams are, are kind of 
talking amongst each other, talking on the radios, the directors in the car having a conversation. They might have had a plan the night before. And they're saying like, yeah, we want, I think what happened here was they're saying, we want the intermediate sprint to still be available. We want our sprinters to go for that. So we're not gonna allow five guys up the road to soak up those points. So once five guys go, you know, some phone calls go around like, hey, we need you to go back or the threat is, or our team is going to weld this thing back together and then we're going to have another half hour of attacking and nobody wants that. I think some deals were made that were all ultimately kind of meaningless and, and led to a boring day, but let those sprint points, still only one guy up the road, so there's still something to sprint for. There's still the, the guys fighting for the green jersey uh, still wanted to do that. And the result there was uh, Simon Guillermi from uh, Team Arkea, who was out there by himself, long day, sucks for that guy, uh, pretty much the whole day by himself. We did have a well-contested intermediate sprint. Uh, Gourmet got that. Cavendish boxed in again. Cav didn't look great. I was kind of like, ooh, this is going to be a bad tour for Cav. And then right after the sprint, uh, two more guys were allowed to go off the front, which sort of confirms my theory on they didn't want guys up the road until then, and then they don't care about a breakaway. Either way, it's going to get caught. So we'll do the mishap of the day would be the moment that, that Simon found out that all of his breakaway companions were leaving. He's like, oh, five guys, you know, 100 miles, whatever. Uh, this is going to be a long, boring day in the heat, but here we go. Uh, and then and then he looks back and they're all like, peace. It's Honestly, it's as if the Peloton was playing a prank on him because you want nothing less than being out there all day by yourself. They talk about like, you know, TV time, it's good for the sponsors. And like, I guess so. I don't know what an Arkea is. I'm not going to buy one. I don't feel like he sold any Arkeas today by just kind of being the dead man walking on course. The announcers on NBC today did kind of mention he gets, he does get the prize of the, the cash for the intermediate sprint that he won. Uh, and then I assume he got the most aggressive rider jersey got. I hope he did. Uh, so there's some cash for both of those. It's $1,600 for the for the sprint and then $2,200 or something for the, the jersey. Uh, what they didn't explain is that that money gets divided amongst uh, all the team, all the staff. Every team has like a different structure uh, for prize money and the prize money does add up. So by the end of the tour, it's going to be, you know, for, for the teams that win the GC, you know, checks of $10,000 going out. Um, they, what happens is there's kind of an LLC that does it's, I forget what they're called. It's like prize money, Euro and all the world tour teams, uh, go through this one LLC and the prize money goes to them directly. And then they collect the money from the races, which sometimes is a bit of a challenge. Uh, they pay the taxes on it and then they write the checks to the rider. So I was getting like, I got a couple checks a year and a half after I retired from races that, you know, I forgot there was prize money coming. Uh, but that's someone's job and the accounting of that. Uh, it does not just go to that dude and he's going to buy champagne that night. As far as the actual split itself, I believe it's evenly distributed. For sure, all of the riders get an equal share, whether you're the guy winning or the guy who's doing the lead out. Um, but then different teams would have like a certain cut for the staff at the race or the soigneurs and mechanics. Uh, all of them get a little bit of a taste. So that's $600 probably actually pocketed. We're talking uh, 180 100 Really not a great day for Simon financially. The only upside I would say of being in the breakaway, being in a solo breakaway, is you have a team car right on your butt all day. So if you want water, it's right there. You saw him going through the feed zone and the poor Swanier was holding out a, a musette bag for him. He doesn't need that. He can, he's got like literally a full-time staff right up his butt. You want ice socks, you want, uh, want Coca-Cola, you want a Snickers bar. It's all sitting right there. Uh, it's right at his whim. So that's, that is a nice upside of the breakaway is the whole, you don't have to deal with the whole mess of the cars and the, and the, the musette bags are like kind of low-key dangerous um, and, and awkward and going back to the cars a real pain in the butt. So on, on a day like today, he just gets the full service treatment. But of course, as we all knew, uh, he was caught. The sprint looked pretty clean, organized lead outs. Uh, Cavendish went for it. 
and Phillipson ultimately showed that that he's for sure the guy to beat. We already saw that he's in the green kit for a reason. Cavendish second. Cavendish right up there. Awesome to see it. The announcers got super excited when his his nose was in the wind a little bit. And then Phillipson made neat work of him, but Cav right up there. Uh, right conditions, right day, a little bit of savvy. I I do think he's going to pull us off. I'm still I'm still fingers crossed for it. At least we've got reasons to watch the, the sprint stages. Oh, when he gets it, he's going to cry on TV. He's going to cry so hard. You're going to hear Eddie Merckx crying from wherever he is. He's going to, you can hear like the glass shattering, whatever. He, wherever he is, he's breaking everything in that room when it happened. I guess one more mishap of the day. Uh, NBC feed botched the last kilometer. It said 0.5 miles to go for, I think, a K and a half, a K, whatever it was. There was a point where like Cavendish launches and I'm like, it's a K to go, dude. You're, you're going way too early. And then he crossed the line and then they just moved it to 0.0. .0. Uh, I, I saw that. I think everybody saw that. I was quite confused. I was like, why did Cav just launch at 900 meters? Uh, but he didn't. Cavendish did it right, and, uh, and NBC botched it. But I will say, uh, I'm, I'm not regretting the, the NBC feed. Yellowstone, uh, we're at episode two. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. One of their observations today, they showed a, a helicopter shot. I kept calling it drone shots. Uh, it's a helicopter. They can afford a helicopter. But they showed a farm and it was like a dog rounding up what looked like some sheep and then it turned out they were geese. These big, white, fluffy, uh, beautiful geese. I was like, oh, that's sweet. There's a dog and look at these geese. And then uh, and then they said on the, on the feed, they're like, foie gras. I was like, oh no, that's some sad shit. Shout out to those geese. Now, armchair race organizer, uh, no complaints today. I, I think, you know, we got to have these stages and we did. Uh, so I'll just do a little bit of, of explaining. Some folks ask like, oh, when's the, when's the Alpe d'Huez stage? Uh, that doesn't happen every year. They do a different course every year. That's like part of the, part of what's fun about the tour. Uh, and all the grand tours do this is they have a different course every year, a uh, different start, different finish, different climbs. They'll find a new climb once in a while. They're like, where's this climb been all those years? That's what makes the riders decide like, oh, uh, you know, Garrett's like, oh, I don't want to do the tour this year. Maybe he likes, there's a long time trial in the Vuelta that suits him. So there's like a tactics going into that. Um, so there will be no Alpe d'Huez stage this year, but a lot of cool stages. And that is kind of one of the fun things about this whole Grand Tour mess is that puzzle that they, they kind of have to come up with something creative and new every year. And they're thinking of uh, how it's going to play on TV and who's going to be the, the main characters and, and which teams, all that stuff. Armchair team director, I'd love to be a fly on the wall like the spider that was on the wall yesterday. Uh, I'd love to be in on that conversation of who's going to be in the breakaway today. Did Seismic put their hand up like, okay, we want to be the one team who has to deal with, uh, with the breakaway today. Uh, we want TV time. Or, or was it, did they all draw straws and the loser has to be in the break? Someone's got to be in the break. I'll get to that a different day. I don't really know why either. If I was watching in person today, uh, I want to be in one of the feed zones. The, the feed zones, the Swaniers have to get there super early. I'm sure like the race was behind course, so the Swannies are bored. Swaniers are always really nice. Like they, they've got, they've got swag, they got merch. You're going to score a pair of socks. You're going to score a musette bag. And then once the riders come through, uh, they're littering all the stuff. And it's not littering because collectors want it, but you can go home, you go to the feed zone, you can go home with a, with a car full of, uh, you know, lightly used, uh, cool pro cycling merch. Uh, prediction, I, I think Jacobson goes home. I think maybe he gets through the next sprint stage or the rest day coming up. He's probably looking at something like that. Uh, but that guy's off the back. He's not contesting it. He just looks swollen. He looks miserable. Uh, if I was him, I'd be thinking like, okay, if I keep pushing through this tour, I'm going to injure myself. Uh, whereas, you know, it's been a good week of training, kind of go home, uh, take a rest, reset for the Vuelta. This is part of bike racing. You just can't force yourself into form or, or fitness or health uh, when it's not there. For sure, Jacobson is hitting uh, all of the ice products he can, but there's no amount of ice that can that can de-swell or fix that dude. But I'm gonna say, don't bother watching today's stage. Uh, check the last two, three, five K if you're feeling generous. Um, 
Watch yesterday, watch the day before, rewatch one of those. Those are great bike races. Today, today was a chill for you and a chill for them. Uh, if you need bike racing in your life, do a little replay rerun action. Tomorrow's stage, another flat sprint day. Uh, I'm just gonna say this, don't watch, go for a bike ride yourself. Don't forget to, don't be a spectator so much that you forget to be inspired to go do the thing. Uh, bike riding kicks ass weekends, that's what it's for. Uh, go out there and ride it, catch the replay later. I'll sit here, I'll do the podcast, and then I'll go for a ride. Uh, you can do reverse order if you want. All right, thanks for watching and listening. Really appreciate all the nice comments and everyone sharing it. Uh, this has been fun for me, so we'll keep it up. Uh, have a good one. See ya.